Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. As uh, we wrap up spring practice, talk some recruiting, talk some hoops, plenty of other things to jump into as well um, on this Tuesday edition of the podcast with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Again, we want to thank our friends at Blue Water Climate Control for their continued support of the site. And they want to thank you, the VolQuest uh, listener, for all that you've done to help them um, promote their site and all the referrals that you've given them as well. So in light of that and show their appreciation, they're giving you a discount on all service and repairs, which is really good because it's time to turn on your AC. This week, it's going to be in the 80s after being freezing last week. Got to love East Tennessee. And unfortunately, that AC might not work like it should when you turn it on. We'll find out this week when it gets warm. When that happens, you need to do what others are doing. Call Blue Water Climate Control. Check out their reviews online. You'll see story after story of how other companies tried to fix it, but it was Blue Water Climate Control who finally got it right. Call the guys who do the right repair the right way the first time. Blue Water Climate Control. Give them a buzz at 865-299-2290 or check them out at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. All right, to spring practice we go, putting a bow tie on that. Uh, Rob, I'll start with you. What's your bow tie on Josh Heupel's first spring at Tennessee? Well, I don't think you can – take a ton from the spring game itself. But I think the one tangible – I mean, when, when you're talking about personnel. and um, But I think the one tangible thing that you can take away is style of play. I mean, he really is, is going to want to play at warp speed. I mean, the last three quarters didn't matter with the way they handled the clock, but the first first quarter, both offenses combined, I, I believe, that's moving quick. And by my count, um, it, it appeared, unless it was a big gainer, you know, chunk play, I think they were back, lined up, ready to snap it again within about nine or ten seconds in, in most cases. So, to me, you know, style of play is, is legit. I mean, it is, what, it, it is what is advertised. And secondly, you know, I might be reading too much into it because of COVID and we're not around them all the time. Um, like, we don't see as much as we would in a normal year. But I, I feel like this team is really bought in. I think they really respond to the way Heupel – is, is doing things. And I think he's recognized that this is a group of guys who football has not been a lot of fun for, for a while. And, and I think he's really addressed that, you know, kind of, I, I think he's c- catered his approach as a coach to, with that in mind. Oh, I agree with you, Rob. I mean, like, you know, is Tennessee going to, you know, win games in the fall because they played dodgeball and then they had a home run derby like they did on Monday um, over at the softball field, no. But, I mean, like, are they going to, you know, be bought in more, which could contribute to them, you know, winning a possession, which helps you win a game? Sure. You know, I mean, like, I, I think that, you know, they're, they're really having fun with each other. Um, you know, I I know for a fact some stuff in the past, not just Jeremy's staff, but other staffs as well, a lot of this Twitter stuff has been forced. And, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, that some of it's not forced in this instance, but I don't think all of it is not like it was before. Um, and so like, you know, I, I do think that he's made, you know, this spring fun, made it enjoyable. They've got work in, they've got a lot of work and a lot of long way to go to uh, get to where they want to be on both sides of the ball. But uh, I'm with Rob. I, I think that just the culture is not built in a day, but I do think that the overall mindset is totally different. With this group again, does it equate to more wins? You know, time will tell. But I do think that uh, you know they're enjoying 
college football and enjoying, you know, being teammates with one another. All right, little devil's advocate here. I agree with both of you. I, I do. I mean, I, I think that, that this team does like it. But but do we have to be careful from the standpoint of how many times over the course of the last four coaching changes have we said Coach X is pushing the right buttons? Oh, yeah, 100%. Right buttons, you know, I mean, it is – and again, I don't want to sound like that jaded guy, but but is is that is, I mean, is there a thought that maybe there's a trap that yeah, okay, we've heard all this before. I agree, it feels different, but playing both sides of it, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, well, it's like it's like the old strength coach. Hubs. Every strength coach is, oh, the one that's going to take him to the promised land, baby. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think you can fall into that some. There's no doubt about it because as you pointed out. And you pointed out probably more elo- eloquently than anybody I've, I've heard just how, you know, Tennessee literally like, you know, Phillip was the old guy. They went to the young, you know, you know, young whippersnapper in Lane. But then he was to California. Then they went to the Southern gentleman in Dooley. Like, like everybody always goes to the extreme. So, you know, last year's group, they had no fun at all. And, and not just because of COVID, but, you know, even year before that. I mean, it wasn't like they were, you know, singing kumbaya around the campfire and then this all of a sudden this group's doing all these these quote fun things and fun activities again now you, you can overblow it a little bit but i do think that it does help the mindset of a bunch of kids that were probably beat down rob let me ask you this because you cover basketball extensively on a, on a daily basis and i don't want to compare necessarily rick barnes's culture to josh heupel's culture with heupel only being on the job 100 days or so less than 100 days i guess at this point but you've seen a culture that there's a real bond off the court. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of, you know, camaraderie, you know, type deal. Then it's obviously all business when you're on the court. How important is that for student athletes that it's not that, that it's more than just, you know, you're a robot on the practice field or you're just the football player for the coach. I think it's vital. And uh, and that opinion is informed by watching how Coach Barnes does business. And by that, I mean, I've, I've never seen coach football, basketball, either one, like get just constantly get on guys aggressively, abrasively, calling them out, you know, staying in their ear, just grinding on them. I mean, sometimes, you know, not confrontationally, like in their face or physical or anything, but just – never, ever letting things slide. And I don't think you can coach kids like that if when it's over, you're not, you know, joking around with them in the locker room, putting your arm around them, you know, making sure that, that they know you, you care about them. I don't, I, don't, I don't think you can just be the drill sergeant and then not be the, the, the nice uncle, you know, when practice is over. It's interesting. It's been an interesting spring from that. I mean, that's probably my biggest takeaway, Austin, when you look at it, is just the work that this staff has put in. And we talked about it when Josh Heupel was hired. You've mentioned this multiple times. He, you know, he goes by every desk when he leaves at the end of the day or, or over the morning when he arrives and says hello or at the end of the day when people are leaving, he makes sure he tells them, you know, you know, have a great night or go enjoy your family or whatever. I mean, he's clearly about relationships, and that's clearly been as big of a priority for him as it's been putting in a high-tempo offense this spring. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that he's really kind of – well, I mean, I think you're smart, too, as well, to one, to embrace this roster. I mean, let's face it, ain't there's not one of them is a Josh Heupel guy. 
Like he didn't, he didn't sign this recruiting class. He came in after the recruiting class was signed. Think about it. Jeremy, when he first got here, he had more than 20 kids that were quote his kids. There's not one of these kids that is Josh Heupel's kid. None. So, I mean, like, you know, I think you have to come in you know, and embrace these, this group and embrace, you know, Tennessee and the people around it. And, you know, the secretaries that work for you. I mean, look, the old the old notion, you know, everybody's going to be rolling in the same direction. They said that when, you know, they've said that like the last multiple coaches, it's never multiple happened AD, really. Multiple yeah. coordinators, <laughs> multiple strength yeah. coaches, multiple trainers, multiple nutritionists, and on and on and on. But you're right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I mean, like, yeah. so I mean, like they're trying to, you know, you still have to work to try to get that, you know, um, you know, even if it, you know, seems far fetched at times. So, you know, they're, he, he's come in, and, and to me, he's pushed the right buttons. Now, again, does that equate to success? I don't know. I mean, like, there's still a, a, a cloud over the program. I don't think the sun's coming out tomorrow, um, at least, you know, and when I say that, I don't mean, like, you know, this year. I just mean, like, tomorrow, as in, like, tomorrow being Wednesday. I, I don't, you know, I don't think they're finding out tomorrow, yeah, it's a one-year bowl ban and the loss of 12 scholarships. They're not going to find that out for a while. And so they had something they have to continually have to battle. The dead period don't end for another 30 plus days. So again, it's something they have to continue to battle, but I mean, he's, he's pushed all the right buttons internally with just getting to know people. Like I, I think that he has had time for people. He's taken time around the water cooler and, 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 you know, and talk to people and, you know, from all accounts that everybody I've talked to, whether it's me talking to Josh occasionally or, or, you know, people that are, are around the building, he, he's very comfortable in his own skin, and it's not forced. You know what? I, when, one thing I like about him, and, I, and I'm not blaming Jeremy for doing this. I might have done the same thing in his shoes. But Jeremy made sure to get it out there just how big of a hole the program was in. Like all the, all the shortcomings with the roster. And I'm not saying he made that – was making excuses, but he wanted people to know what kind of challenge he was facing. Heupel, it seems like he's just – this is my team. Let's, let's do the best we can. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, think, I think that, that – No first, year zero? Yeah, well, year zero, one of those had those. But, but you're right. I mean, I think one of Jeremy's, you know, mistakes, if you will, and, and I don't want to reflect on his entire deal, but he spent a lot of time telling you – everything that was wrong at Tennessee compared to what it was like where they were winning a championship at Alabama, you know, didn't have this, didn't have that. We got to get this. We got to get that. Whereas, you know, Josh Heupel's coming from central Florida where they don't have as much there as he's got here in terms of resources. And uh, so I, I think that he has embraced it and obviously has done everything he can to instill some confidence in, in a group that's, you know, pretty beat up after three and seven and, uh, pretty beat up in general after a couple of years of football. So, uh, or a year of football, I should say. So we'll see. I, I mean, I think we all agree that it's been a, it's been a nice hundred day start for Josh Heupel, which is a hundred days and a long, long marathon, not even close to being a hundred days in any kind of sprint. Austin, you said that, you know, this roster is not Josh Heupel's roster and it's not, he is bringing in a quarterback that some will perceive to be his quarterback because Joe Milton is transferring in to play in this offense after Josh Heupel is here. What do we make of Joe Milton's arrival at Tennessee, which we knew was coming? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, 
we all he's not coming here to set the bench. He's not coming here to be a, just a solid backup to whoever wins the job. Like uh, he's coming here to win the job, and and they're bringing him in here to win the job. Does that mean he wins it? No. He's still got to go out and perform. I mean, they're not just going to play Joe Milton just because. I mean, like, you know, if Harrison Bailey's the right guy for the job, Harrison Bailey will start. If Brian Mauer's the right guy for the job, Brian Mauer will start. And contrary to the, you know, popular or to the some popular belief of, uh, on the message board, I don't care who wins the starting quarterback job. I'm tired of watching bad quarterback play. I, I, I'd just like to see, you know, a game where there's not, you know, a throw made by a Tennessee quarterback that results in a touchdown for the other team. <laughs> I mean, like, it seems like it's happened way too often the last four years. So, you know, um, I, I, you just have to get it right. Like, that that's the biggest thing, um, you know, who, no matter who it is. If it's Harrison Bailey, Brian Maurer, Hendon Hooker, Joe Milton, you know, if they bring back Zach Jancic to throw to Jack Jancic, they've got to figure out, who the quarterback is and go with the best guy and, and hope they kind of, you know, you know, draw, draw, draw 21 because they, they've got to get lucky and find, um, and I think it is a little bit of luck involved, you know, find that perfect formula uh, at the quarterback position to maybe see if they can get some traction overall. You know, Rob, it's, I mean, we talk about, and we spent some time talking about all the things Josh Heupel's done right over the course of the next 100 days leading up to the start of this season, the decision at quarterback is the most significant thing, the most significant decision that he and his staff are going to make. You are what you are on defense. You know to make this offense work, you got to get a quarterback who can execute and get the job done. That decision um, is going to be vital to how – how much of a jump start there is to the rebuild. Don't you think that's the most important decision he has to make? Not even close. I don't think anything else even is in the same zip code. And, you know, you got basically have five guys and you don't have anything that looks like a slam dunk at all. And, you know, you're bringing in a guy who you expect to compete, who didn't have the benefit of spring practice and, you know, getting to learn, learn your system. And, and he's going to want to compete for the job. So, um, you know, it's not an ideal situation, but I just looking at Heupel's track record, I, I'll be surprised if they don't get serviceable play now from the quarterback spot. Now, do they get, you know, what does that translate? Does that translate into six wins, seven wins? I, I don't know, but I, I'll be with, with what he's done in his career. I'll be surprised if there is not improvement made at that position production-wise, no matter who it is. Yeah, I agree with that. It'll be interesting on Milton to see how quickly he can learn this offense and the tempo of this offense without the opportunity to practice in it before he jumps headfirst into a quarterback competition with just a handful of days to try to win the job going into the (laughs) season opener. Here's the thing. Tennessee still just got – at the end of the day, they've got so many questions left to answer at that quarterback position, no matter who it is. You know, Caden Salter didn't go through spring. That's his own fault. Hendon Hooker, as you, as everyone's noted, doesn't push the ball down the field. Brian Mowers inconsistent. Harrison Bailey, you know, I know he had the nice spring game, but on the whole, it wasn't like he did that every time they rolled out there for practice and did 11-on-11 work. It's not like he did that in the, in the major scrimmages they had. He was not as good in those in those instances. So he's got to learn to be more consistent. Um, and then, you know, Joe Milton, and you can kind of lump Hendon Hooker within there as well. You know, they, they left their previous stop for a reason, you know. And so, like, that doesn't mean you can't 
you know, kind of rejuvenate yourself and rebound at another location and be much better because you can. There are plenty of instances like that. But it's not like Tennessee's all of a sudden got some elixir over there that, you know, oh, there we go. We're good. You know, to me, there's just so many questions left to be answered. But that quarterback position and really to me, the number one question is, is anybody going to leave? Is anybody because I don't think Bailey's leaving now. I'd be surprised if Hooker does, especially with his activity on Twitter. And, and then that leaves Brian Maurer and Caden Salter. Does Salter get antsy because he didn't go through spring and, and look to go back home to Texas? Does does Maurer, because, you know, Milton's here and Harrison Bailey had a strong spring game, does he get antsy and leave? I, I, I just think there's some so many questions. Well, I don't think there's any doubt. There, there's tons of questions at, at that position and, and tons. Of, and, and listen, you talk about the magic elixir. Everybody thought the magic elixir arrived with Jim Chaney a couple of years ago and that he was going to fix it and make it all better immediately. And, and obviously that didn't happen as well. So uh, what that position turns into and what it looks like uh, come August is, is going to be the biggest storyline for Tennessee. All right, let's talk outside quarterback before we jump into a couple of quick hoops things and recruiting things to, to wrap up the podcast here. Let's, let's, let's take quarterback off the conversation off the table from the conversation. Who builds off this spring the most offensively and defensively and who needs a huge summer offensively, defensively? Give me a couple of individuals. Who wants to start? Somebody at offense. Linebacker. Go ahead, Rob. I was going to say somebody at linebacker. I don't mean, I don't think it matters, you know, whether it's Banks or Joseph or you know, who, whoever, Byron Young, but somebody at that second level on defense, I think has got to be able to give them something. It has to be something besides an average player, SEC player. All right. Who's, who's carrying the most momentum out of spring? Non-quarterback. Based on what you saw, Rob. Based on what you uh, saw and Cal- read. Callaway, perhaps. Okay. I got you. And I think right. that. One of those guys had to step up at receiver. One of those soft, sophomores beside Hyatt. And I think it looks like he has. All right. Austin, let's start with – let's go to you. Who who needs the spring – or who needs a great summer for this team? I'll go Jimmy Holiday. I, I, he, he's, he's, I, I know for a fact that he's impressed the coaching staff, um, you know, in his in his limited work wearing a black jersey but he to me he needs the because of what Callaway did as Rob noted what Cedric Tillman did over the course of spring Jalen Hyatt uh, is going to always be a factor Bayless Jones and then a guy like Anderson Kobe who came in and made a little bit of a splash I think Jimmy Holiday needs to have a good summer because I think he can really help this this football team uh um, you know, as far as, you know, a guy that who, who wants to continue to, you know, build off of it, I'll go Anderson Kobe. I mean, he came out of nowhere and, you know, you know, I, I think, you know, really burst onto the scene and, and, and could be a really pleasant surprise this fall. I will add one more that I think needs to have a big summer and that's K-Ron because, you know, he had a nice close to spring talking to people over there. You know, I think there was a, you know, going late in the week, I think there was a strong notion that he was going to be um, coming out with that, quote, first team offensive line that had Cooper and Cade and, and Jerome Carvin and Darnell. And then they made a late switch back to Dane Davis, uh, I think to reward Dane for a solid spring. But, I mean, I think K-Ron is someone the staff feels like talent-wise could potentially take over. 
if he gets healthy. He's, you know, again, that's something he's always struggled uh, with um, through his time here. And uh, he was not healthy, fully healthy this spring. And so I, I think that he needs to have a, a big summer. Defensively, man, I I think you're hoping that Tyler Barron continues to, to build, um, you know, because you really need him to be really good. Um, and, and then I think, you know, the guy that's, you know, got to have a big summer is, is Alante Taylor because he didn't, he, he did not look good in the spring game and, and he's got talent. It's just a matter of, of, you know, pointing him in the right direction. I think for me, defensively, the guy who needs to have a great summer for this team is Elijah Simmons, because I just don't know where, I mean, we don't know where Darrell Middleton is going to be or if he's going to be with this team or whatever he's doing at this point in time. Aubrey Solomon's always banged up. What's his status going to be? Who's going to be the inside guys for this team on the defensive line? I think there's a belief that Elijah Simmons is the most talented if he can get his weight in check. I, I think this is a huge summer for Elijah for a chance to be a starter. I think Tennessee needs Elijah to have a great summer because I think he is needed as much as anybody on that defense. Um, and I think you're saying – I mean, because of the unknowns inside, I think that's why you're seeing Tennessee for the last – 10 days be as active as they have been in the transfer portal, looking for defensive linemen, offering defensive linemen opportunities. Um, Austin, it feels like, you know, we, we've talked all spring about how many would they take? What would they do? It feels like they would be very comfortable taking a linebacker and a defensive lineman in the transfer portal. That's a, it feels well, so much like that's what they want to do in the transfer portal right now. Yeah. I mean, like they're going to get Jawan Mitchell, you know, that's, that's, that that's that's coming you know i mean that's he, he very comfortable you know with, with 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 tennessee um loves the opportunity he is a two to play two with the possibility of getting a year back for some some reason that's something that, that several schools were looking into for him and uh and then you know they they wanted the kid at Western Kentucky he ends up going to UCF to play for his old coach down there so like yeah they would they would which was a defensive lineman they would love to add another defensive lineman i think that tells you what they think of their current group of defensive linemen um probably tells you what rodney thinks of their current group of defensive linemen that you know he's really pushing to get another quality body if he can find one well, and again, you got a lot of unknowns there because you don't know what's going to happen with Darrell Middleton, who was not at the spring game, you know, and, and obviously they had a bunch of guys who weren't dressed for that spring game as well. So uh, that's a position where Tennessee's got to become serviceable, um, at, at least, uh, you know, if they're going to have a chance uh, to be a defense this fall that can win in the red zone, force some turnovers here, because they're going to give up some yards. I think we all know about that. So, uh, and, and, and see that forthcoming. So th this spring's over. Um, kind of tied it up with a, a, some fun today. It's in the weight room, finish out the semester, a little bit of a break. And then June, really June 1st, it cranks back up with the full summer workout, uh, full summer plan. And, and we'll see who can make the big strides. And we'll also see who else jumps into portal or if they get anybody else out of the portal. We'll continue to watch all of that moving forward. Um, Austin, quickly on the recruiting front, had several guys in uh, for the spring game, some in the 21 class, 22, 23 class, not a given the weather and given the fact that you couldn't visit with coaches, not, not a bad day for Tennessee in terms of um, having some guys here to, to watch that thing better than I thought it was going to be personally. 
Yeah, I mean, they got the three kids up from Milton, you know, um, Mo Clip or someone they really like. Obviously, Jordan McDonald, the running back. And then, you know, I, I don't know their chances at getting LT Overton, um, the highly coveted defensive end from, from Milton. But, you know, I mean, you got him up here. Like, uh, you know, that, that, that don't hurt. And so, and he, of course, he's a 23. Um, so, you know, you, you, you had some solid, decent players here. Brody Foley was here again. I mean, I think Brody Foley would like to jump in right here and now if Tennessee had let him. You know, the question is, what are they going to do at the tight end spot? You know, I mean, they're you know, bringing him in for an official in June. They're bringing in the kid from Nebraska in June. You know, they've not yet offered Jackson Long. I think they want him to come to camp. Um, and, and, and then do they look at, you know, potentially a, a, a transfer at tight end. You know, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if, 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 if you know, they landed somebody uh, at that position either. And, and they'd really love Miles Campbell. So, on the whole, Tennessee, I thought, did have a solid weekend looking at the fact that, you know, three hours before the game, it was coming uh, a nice hard rain and it had been raining for several hours. But, you know, you got lucky and it cleared off just in time for the game. Yeah, and uh, obviously Tennessee would like to get another commitment if they could in the month of May before it cranks back up in June. June's certainly going to be very interesting. We have a ton of recruiting coverage coming up in, in the next few days. We talked to a number of guys. We'll have stories up on those guys. We're going to see a good number of guys across the state of Tennessee. Talk to some guys there. Um, you know, Austin looks at it. I mean, everybody talks about, well, this year is a, you know, it's a really good year in the state and, and, and unlike any other year. The fact of the matter is this state's producing quality guys every year. And um, that's certainly the case, not only in 22, but 23 and 24. And we've seen Tennessee, we saw Tennessee on the, on the Twitter world, try to, you know, talk about their, their, what they're doing in the state of Tennessee and how they got guys everywhere. Clearly a priority for them to try to get established and, and try to get going in 23 and 24. We've seen some offers out there. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of what the 23 and 24 class look like moving forward. But I don't, I don't think there's going to be a significant drop-off from the 22 class. It doesn't feel like it to me. No, I think 23 is going to be really, really solid too. Um, you know, again, they, they can't punt on 22 because you've got to continue to work this class. But, you know, to me, they've got to get a leg up on 23. And, you know, obviously they're, they're in a pretty good spot with Caleb Herring now that his brother Elijah's committed and, you know, we'll see, you know, what Tennessee does. I mean, I, you know, I, I still think that, you know, they, they've, they've made the state a priority, Brent, that there's no doubt about it. You know, I, you give them credit for that because it wasn't always the case with previous staffs, not, not on a consistent level. Um, but, you know, I still think they've, they're a touch slow to offer compared to others. And, you know, I think that's something that you fall into the, you know, the same trap that, you know, previous staffs have, which is, you know, feeling like, if you offer, the kid's going to just swoon and commit on the spot. You know, it, it just don't work that way anymore. So, you know, I, I think, you know, you, you still have to be active. And, 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 you know, and again, I think, you know, if you like a kid, you go after him. That don't mean you have to take him. I mean, like, look at Alabama offered Mo Clipper. I don't think Alabama would take Mo Clipper right now. But I do think that, you know, they, they like him enough to offer him and get in the mix. And then they'll get him to camp and they'll see how he does. And if he does great. Who knows? And if he doesn't, then, you know, he'll go back home and he'll still have an Alabama offer, but, you know, just won't be able to commit there. Uh, I think you have to recruit that way. I think that's the current way of recruiting. I think that's where the, the game's changed. And, you know, I think Tennessee's, you know, best suited to go that route than they are to, 
you know, wait until Missouri, Arkansas, and Kentucky have all offered a kid um, and then be reactionary to that. To me, you, you want to be proactive and not reactive. Plenty of recruiting coverage, as I mentioned, coming up in the coming days, in the coming uh, week as well. So uh, you want to keep it locked in for that. Rob, on the hoops front, Tennessee's not got a whole lot going on. It doesn't feel like in recruiting right now because they're pretty set. But obviously they're looking for um, one more transfer perhaps out there, it feels like. Uh, get a chance to visit with the new assistants uh, on Wednesday as they will meet the media and get established. Give everybody the latest uh, the latest rumblings on the hoops world. Anything going on about? I, just, I mean, I don't have a name to throw at you. I mean, every Tennessee fan wants to know what Musa Cisse, if Tennessee will chase him. I mean, the kid hit the, hit the portal six hours before we're taping this. I, I don't know right now. I think Tennessee will look into that situation. But I think that's the kind of guy that they would like is, is a veteran. I, ideally, I think they would like a, a, a one-year guy, personally. Um that's a rim protector. That, that's a big dude that is experienced. And um, unless, you know, the right one of those guys comes along, um, not sure that, that they take anybody else. I think they might be content to hold on to that last spot. And you think this roster is pretty set? I mean, in terms of guys staying here, does it feel like? Yeah, I, mean, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't 100% rule out one departure, but if you ask me today, I think this is, the, I think these are the guys that will start practicing in October. What do you what do you what are you looking to hear from the these staff guys? What what's the early return maybe on the on Rick Barnes's new staff guys that he hired to, to join Michael Schwartz? What, what uh, first off, I'm, I'm interested to see how they like hanging out in Pratt Pavilion all day instead of being <laughs> being in their offices. It's a little bit <laughs> different. It's one thing, uh, you know. Just kind of, I, I'm interested to hear like their their opinions on on Rick because I mean he's different from you know anybody. I mean I, I think a lot different from. You know, certainly Wojciechowski or um, Sean Miller, who Justin Ganey has worked for. Rod Clark is a 28-year-old guy. I'm, I'm interested to see his take on just – I mean, three years ago, this guy was coaching at Sunrise Christian Academy in, in, you know, in Kansas City. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear, you know, just a little bit about his background of how he, you know, in three, year, three years has gone to be in a, you know, major – being an assistant coach at a, at a high major – you know, university with a legendary head coach and, you know, all the amenities you have at Tennessee compared to, you know, Austin P where he was before uh, Illinois, Chicago, where he was before that is one year. So I, I'm, I'm interested to hear that take. And for Justin Ganey, how, how happy is he to be back at, you know, in, in the South? He grew up in High Point, North Carolina. I, I think, I think he likes, I, I think personally, just from talking to some people, I think he really is happy with this move for him and his family. Yeah, and early shout out to, to Coach Coach Ganey has a senior in high school, a freshman in high school, and a twenty one month old. Talk about talk about some range. <laughs> yeah, that's um his. Glad it's his world, not mine. That's for sure on that. So we'll have full coverage of, of those guys meeting the media. I just scheduled a vasectomy, hub. <laughs> <laughs> I'll need three days off two weeks from now. Can you imagine? Jeez. Yeah, no, I'm not interested in that deal. But uh, that's gonna that's gonna do it uh, for this edition of the podcast. We got again plenty of recruiting coverage coming up. Uh, we'll continue to follow hoops closely and see what's happening there in the transfer portal. Um, and then we have a conversation with Danny White coming up later this week as well. So you want to stick to VolQuest.com for that uh, in addition to other things going on out there. That's going to do it for 
this Tuesday edition of the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday. Have a great day, everybody.